0: The British TV podcast with Chrissy and Ryan. News, reviews, what's on TV this week, DVD releases, and special features all about British TV.
1: Hello and welcome to the British TV podcast, show number 83. I'm Ryan in Seattle.
0: Chrissy in Seattle, standing by.
1: This week's show we have reviews, news, what's on British TV this week, shows running in the United States, DVD releases, and a feature on Catherine Tate. So how are you doing?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm good. It uh, looks like spring is here maybe for sure this week.
0: Yeah, it, it was really warm in my place when I got home. It was warm in the hallways, which are usually cold as a cinder block cell, and it was warm in my condo, so I shall go home and the window. I opened the window, and so the cats were pretty excited about that. So it Well, that it's way. it's been a long time coming in yes. Seattle for sure.
1: That's true. Have you seen Doctor Who? Yep. What do you think of this one?
0: Oh well, you got to realize that a huge chunk of what I do in my day job is is put on CPR classes <laughs> and so that quite dreadful C- examples of CPR
1: I near heard the that, end. Yeah.
0: I I I went on television without pity and I put a link to my one of my YouTube channels where I have that little CPR film. I got a lot of people went and watched it. Actually, I looked at the how they found it and
1: you can add. Uh... Amy's
0: Yeah, uh well the last clip on it is Martha doing uh chest compressions on both of Ten's hearts. So
1: And she's a doctor.
0: Right. Well, he had two hearts, so she was doing it. You know, she had examined him earlier in the day and realized he had two hearts, so she was doing the compressions on both his hearts. Still what she was doing made no sense in terms of what his injuries were. He wasn't in, I don't think he was in cardiac arrest. It was goofy and nor really was uh Rory, but Rory had drowned. Right. But you're telling me that the TARDIS has a chameleon circuit that can rewrite your DNA and it doesn't have some sort of gizmo to help somebody who's aspirated some seawater. It's crazy.
1: Why don't they just take it to a hospital?
0: Right. And if there's two people there, both of them would be doing the CPR. You don't have one person cheering them on while the other one does all the work. The
1: doctor was being very peculiar there. It's Mm -hmm. like he wouldn't have anything to do with it.
0: It was kind of strange, yeah.
1: So, yeah, that was a a weird thing. Also, CPR
0: doesn't revive anybody. The only, well, it can revive children, infants, but it doesn't revive people. It just keeps some oxygen circulating until advanced medical intervention gets there. And yet, Time after time after time, as shown in my little CPR film that I made for the instructor's amusement. They show about ten seconds of compressions uh reawakening somebody who can pop up and keep going and
1: Well the bigger picture is now this is what the third time they've killed Rory? Yeah. Yeah. I think they have to stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's going to be a South Park thing pretty soon. (laughs) Oh, believe me, that joke has been made many,
1: many times. Oh, my God, you killed Rory. You bastards. Yeah. It wasn't the greatest story, and it was kind of done on the cheap. I mean, we had like five pirates. Mm -hmm. Uh, Especially at the end where supposedly everyone revived, and there still were only five pirates in that cockpit. That's all the actors they could afford for that. But even the effect of Lily Cole, which he would like make her appearances, very cheap video effects. Yeah. I mean, I, like, I could do that on my computer. And really just kind of done on the cheap there. I like all Doctor Who, and I thought Hugh Bonneville was great. Mm. I really Every scene he was in was great. I liked his rapport with the Doctor. I liked the fact that he got his own little ship at the end. And did you see the thing about the his entry on Wikipedia? There really was a pirate with the same oh, name yeah. mm-hmm. who did get the moguls go from India and mysteriously disappeared in the middle of the 17th, 17th yes, century.
0: I had, I had seen that.
1: Which made it kind of clever. It wasn't an awful story. It's not one I would watch over and over and over again. But
0: well, it made the television without pity guy finally quit. And I know you never liked his reviews anyway.
1: Then some good has come from this evil. <laughs> Just like the Daleks.
0: There are some very good writers at television without pity, but I never counted this guy in Jacob with them. I, I couldn't read his stuff. I just couldn't. So Yeah, a few times I looked at it before, he on. really
1: annoyed me. And I thought, you know, why having a non-fan do it? It's like having a fringe fan review it or something like that. It's mm-hmm. not their show. Uh, on to more things with the Neil Gaiman episode, which should be pretty good. The mm-hmm. Doctor's Wife, which does not have Alex Kingston in it. So oh, she okay. is not the title character. Someone else is. Well I saw The Shadow Line, Uh, this seven-part BBC Two drama was written and directed by Hugo Blick, best known for low-key comedy dramas like Rob Brydon's Marion and Jeff and Sensitive Skin that starred Joanna Lumley, Dennis Lawson, and James Lance as a dysfunctional family. Did you ever see either of those?
0: No, not much of them, just little bits of, little pieces of ends of episodes.
1: Okay. Blick has now created a sprawling crime drama that starts with a recently paroled Drug Lord's Murder, which sets off two parallel investigations, one by his gang and the other by the police. Christopher Eccleston plays Joseph Bede, who runs the legitimate business front for the gang. He has his hands full dealing with the dead man's son, Jay, played by Rafe Spall in an intense performance. Complicating things, Joseph's wife, played by Leslie Sharp, has early-onset Alzheimer's and only six months to live. Meanwhile, the police investigation is headed up by Jonah Gabriel, played by... Chiwetel IJR4, who's best known to fans of Firefly as the mysterious operative in the Serenity movie. Jonah is back on duty after he was shot in the head, resulting in partial amnesia and a bullet permanently lodged in his head. It's obvious, even if you aren't familiar with Blick's earlier work, that things are going to get complicated as this vast web of intrigue works itself out over seven weeks. Blick is the king of observational comedy, which works equally well in a drama where what isn't said is often as telling as what is. Though comparisons with HBO's The Wire are inevitable, that's not bad company to keep, and I look forward to how The Shadow Line unfolds its many mysteries. Because I liked his earlier shows, mm-hmm. and certainly with his cast. I mean, I'd watched Christopher Eccleston read the phone book. Uh, say, Rafe Spall, Leslie Sharp. It's a really great cast, Good. so... I'm really digging that. And then I found something that popped up on BBC Scotland. So this was not actually transmitted all over uh, Britain, but just up in Scotland. The Field of Blood. And it was a BBC adaptation of the Denise Mina novel, the first in the series about a young female journalist in 1980s Glasgow named Patty Meehan. She starts out as a copy boy for the local newspaper as a young boy has been murdered and the chief suspect is a 10-year-old cousin of hers. Jade Johnson is terrific as Patty. She looks like a Scottish Allison Hannigan. Other members of the cast include David Morrissey as the paper's editor, and Jonas Armstrong and Peter Capaldi as fellow journalists. Here she is talking with Morrissey.
2: Why do you want to be like them anyway? Mean spirited bunch of bastards, every last one of them. And not just this lot. I worked all over before I came here, you know. Manchester, London, they're all the same.
1: Hearts like bone. Minds trained to think the worst of everybody. Eh? Is that how you want to end up?
2: I was eight when the Paddy Mayan story broke. He'd still be in jail if it wasn't for a journalist. Sometimes we're a person's last chance. When nobody else believes them, when everybody's got bored of the story, we can still make a difference. I don't want to be like them. I want to be a journalist. May F- I've just had a Frank Capra moment. Listen, you. You leave here without permission one more time and I'll sack you. you understand?
1: What's odd is everyone keeps telling Patty she's fat, which is a bit of an exaggeration. But because of that, she subsists on a diet of eggs to try to lose weight. And despite being name-checked as Nancy Drew at one point, the field of blood is not for kids... Particularly with all the swearing. But Patty Meehan is a plucky heroine, and this drama is a nice change of pace for British mystery shows.
0: I started watching the Council Estate documentary that we had talked oh, really? about. the Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it bored me stiff. Couldn't make it past the first ten minutes. It was very dry.
1: I thought it was interesting enough, just because I find public housing somewhat interesting mm-hmm. and having lived in all that. And the fact that it started much earlier than I thought I did at the end of the last century... Or into the 19th century, and yeah. then was very big in the 20s and 30s. You know, I associate it all with those really awful tower blocks that came up after the war, but gone on longer than that. No, then, I,
0: I knew where it had started. I knew a little bit about that because I had read about it in Wikipedia, trying to explain what it was to some people. So I thought I'd educate myself. But I, I just thought
1: it was can... interesting that, like, the cottages they built in, you know, the 100 years ago, people are still living in them. And of course, now mm-hmm. they're very expensive yes. houses. And the cheap ones they built, you know, 40 years ago are already being torn down because they were just so poorly made.
0: Well, some of there's some really hard to get into former projects in New York that have been restored that are gorgeous and interesting that people just really, really want to live in and they're quite spendy now too. So if you put the money into it, eventually it'll keep it up. Well, you got to build them properly to start with, yeah. though.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, this week on Twitter... I watched uh, Meredith Vieira's segment on the Today Show this week where she visited the Doctor Who set in Cardiff and even filmed a cameo for an episode later this season. Of course, ironically, she's leaving the Today Show next month, so (laughs) she won't even be on TV when she ends up on uh, Doctor Who. There were spoilers for those paying attention, but clearly the piece was edited by a huge fan of Doctor Who with clips, music from the series, and make it all look cool and groovy even with Vera completely clueless about what's going on. She'd never heard of Doctor Who before uh, she did this segment. Al Roker had, though. Oh, good. But still, today is the most popular morning show in America, and there were people being exposed to Doctor Who. I read that BBC America spent $8 million promoting this season with billboards and ads and print ads and other promotional things.
0: That's a fair amount of
1: cash. That is a fair amount of cash. But they've gotten really good ratings for it, too, which, of course, they're touting in their press releases. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess that's what it costs to launch a TV series nowadays. And on Monday, I was only kidding about watching Night Shift, the Icelandic comedy on BBC4. It sounded completely diabolical. It takes place at a petrol station, and it is all in Icelandic. You have to watch it with subtitles. (laughs) Anyway, you can follow us on Twitter at BrickTVPodcast. In the news this week... Big George Wembley, the yeah. composer of the Have I Got News For You theme tune, has died at the age of 53. Webley also worked on the music for The Office, One Foot in the Grave, and Room 101. And he was also a presenter on BBC London. So let's hear a little bit of the Have I Got News For You theme. According to creator-writer Tony Jordan, it has been mutually agreed upon with the BBC to end the brilliant series Hustle at the conclusion of the upcoming eighth season. Jordan will get the rare opportunity that many writers are not afforded. The ability to end a series like you'd like, given that you have knowledge of the upcoming season is going to be its last. And Jordan promises a controversial finale that will leave viewers wondering if the entire show has been an elaborate long game. Hmm. So that should be fun. All did you see they're going to try to do a prequel to Inspector Morse? No, I didn't. Yeah, Morse going to college. And <laughs> and so they're just trying to milk that franchise for all it's worth. Oh, gosh. Yeah, What's on TV for the week of May 11th through the 17th?
0: Wednesday, Waterloo Road continues on BBC One.
1: And is followed by Life of Riley.
0: Stuart Lee's Comedy Vehicle continues on BBC Two. Fans of Lee's and Richard Herring's 1990 series, Fist of Fun, will be happy to hear it will finally be released on DVD at the end of the year.
1: Big fan of Fist of Fun. Mm-hmm. Thursday, Part 2 of The Shadow Line is on BBC Two.
0: Dave's One Night Stand on Dave features the in-betweeners Greg Davis.
1: Psychoville continues on BBC Two. My favorite moment last week was Imelda Stoughton as a mysterious executive who, when presented with too many bits of paper, complains she wants to be Judy Dench doing things on a screen. She imitates Tom Cruise in his virtual computer in Minority uh. Report. <laughs> Just made me laugh.
0: Good. Now, I haven't watched it yet. I'll probably mainline that when there's a few more episodes. Celebrity Juice is on ITV2.
1: Russell Howard's Good News continues on BBC3.
0: Friday, Baboons with Bill Bailey continues on ITV1.
1: BBC1 has a tribute to the late creator of Only Fools and Horses with the comedy genius of John Sullivan.
0: Have I Got News for You is on BBC1, and it has MasterChef's John Torode and Greg Wallace as the show's first co-hosts.
1: Will they have to use two cues. <laughs> Who knows? Paul O'Grady Live continues on ITV1.
0: The Graham Norton Show is on BBC One with guests Lady Gaga, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Jeffrey Rush.
1: Yeah, I watched the Lady Gaga special on HBO over the weekend. I, I, I was aware of the, who she was, and I'd heard Poker Face before, but like, well, what's all the fuss about? And considering I would never go see a live concert, it was very entertaining, and she put on a good show.
0: Saturday, Doctor Who is on BBC One in an episode written by the celebrated author Neil Gaiman and intriguingly titled The Doctor's Wife. Listen carefully for the voice of Michael Sheen.
1: He plays a character called House.
0: Yeah, I think I heard heard him speaking ominously. I've only watched the trailer trailer. once, so I
1: could go watch it again, but I'll just wait for Saturday. And Doctor Who Confidential is on BBC Three.
0: The Eurovision Song Contest 2011 is live on BBC One, hosted by Graham Norton. You may remember that last year, England came in dead last in the voting. Hopefully, they'll do better with a song performed by Blue. We did a feature explaining the strangeness that is Eurovision back in show
1: 34. Yes, indeed. Sunday, Richard Hammond's Engineering Connections is on BBC Two. Vera continues on ITV One. Monday, The Dales continues on ITV One. Tuesday,
0: Two Pints of Lager and a Packet of Crisps continues on BBC Three.
1: In the United States, on BBC America, Wednesday, there's reruns of The Tudors. Friday, reruns of Law and Order UK. Saturday, Doctor Who, The Doctor's Wife, followed by The Graham Norton Show.
0: Monday, there's repeats of Top Gear and James May's Road Trip.
1: On Showtime, Secret Diary of a Call Girl continues on Thursday.
0: Sunday, on most PBS stations, Masterpiece has the conclusion to R- South Riding.
1: Yes, nice double dose of David Morrissey. DVD releases, The Fortunes and Misfortunes of Maul Flanders. Alex Kingston and Daniel Craig star in this 1996 miniseries seen on ITV and PBS.
0: Yeah, um, one of my B&B landladies. Well, she was minding a B and B where I stayed in London in the late '90s. She was in that. Her name was Patty Love.
1: Oh, you mentioned her before. Yeah. yeah. She was one of
0: had a role in there.
1: I've not seen that version. Is it any good?
0: Haven't seen it either. But I just happen to know that um, I, I always look to hope that she's doing more. But the last thing I really saw her in was a real brief role in Mrs. Henderson Presents. But, oh. Uh, with luck, she's doing more theater because she did a lot of the stuff in the '70s and. But in the 80s and kind of fell fell by, but I know she was in that film. Well, let's see what else is on DVD. There is Doctor Who, Terror of the Autons, the 1971 John Pertwee story that introduced the master into the show's mythos.
1: And Doctor Who, Planet of the Spiders, the final story of the John Pertwee era, a six-part adventure, co-starring Elizabeth Sladen as Sarah Jane Smith, many large spiders, and the regeneration into Tom Baker in the final seconds. Yeah, we're going to see more and more John Pertwee stories. They have the last ones to be released on DVD because they require the most amount of restoration. A lot of these only existed in black and white, and in fact, here are the Autons, The only way they were able to colorize it was from a copy from the Chicago PBS station that ran it in the 70s. Hmm. Our feature this week is on Catherine Tate. Although a household name in Britain, Catherine Tate is really only known in America for being in Doctor Who. Next week, she'll be making a cameo in the season finale of The Office, so now we take a look at the career comedic and dramatic of Catherine Tate. Like many comedians, Catherine Tate has based many of her characters on people she grew up with, including her mum. After drama school, she had bit parts on The Bill, like everybody, London's Burning, and Men Behaving Badly in the 1990s. In the unaired pilot to Lee Mack's Not Going Out, she played Kate. She traveled to the Edinburgh Festival in a show with Lee Mack in 2000, which was nominated for a Perrier Comedy Award. The following year in Edinburgh, she had her own one-woman show, which led to her being cast in sketch shows like Big Train, Attention Scum, and TV Go Home. Yeah, I watched her in a Big Train one where it was uh, a parody of uh, French romantic movies, so they're yes. all speaking French to each other with the subtitles, and yes. she ends up having an affair with a traffic light.
0: Right. I I have the Big Train DVD, which is kind of interesting because they made the two series about five years apart, and they kept the same three men from series to series and replaced the ladies. So, for whatever reason, but I quite like it.
1: Yeah. In 2002, she co-starred with Don French in the Simon Nye comedy Wild West. As we talked about in our feature on Nye in show 32, Wild West was set in a small coastal village in Cornwall and focused on Mary and Angela, the two ladies who run the local shop and post office. Although both straight, Mary and Angela have been living together for 15 years and became lovers because, as Mary explained it, everyone else in the village was taken. In this episode, Catherine Tate's Angela falls for a visiting American.
2: First time in Cornwall. We're a long way down. A lot of people get as far as Exeter and think, bugger this, I'll stop here. <laughs> Makes you want to weep. Yes. Yes, it does. Beauty. Yeah. Yeah. Do you live here? Yeah. Mm, I came down about 15 years ago after a nervous for, for a holiday mm. and met my friend and never left. I wanted to, but she just kept hiding my handbag. What about you? You're American, aren't you? Guilty. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I used to love Bill Clinton. Yeah, that business with the blue dress. (laughs) Yeah, we've all been there. (laughs) I just came down to relax. In London, we all have our shoulders up around our ears. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, see, down here, when we're tense, we tend to do this.
1: (laughs) It also had Anne-Marie Duff pre-shameless hmm. and she was uh, the local witch and she had kind of a little witchcrafty kind of shop oh. as well and she was trying to teach everyone cornish and so they had this sort of mock language everyone would speak kind of sounded like kind of a bastardized version of welsh and <laughs> at one point they had a guy come in and he was supposed to be conducting the town dance and he was speaking all in cornish and no one could understand what he was saying Great. <laughs> Catherine Tate was also regularly appearing on the stage at the same time, appearing in A Servant to Two Masters with the Royal Shakespeare Company and The Way of the World at the National Theater. In 2004, producer Jeffrey Perkins teamed up Catherine with writer Darren Little, who would later go on to create Benidorm, to write sketches together for The Catherine Tate Show. This British comedy award-winning series introduced a number of memorable characters, all played by Catherine, including the notoriously chabby schoolgirl Lauren Cooper. I told me? Yeah, this is the last stop.
2: I'm above it. And? I'm above it though. This is the last stop. But I'm above it. Do you hear what I said? Do you what I said? I said you have to get off. Do you what I said though? Look I'm not going to argue with you. What did you call me? Did you call me love, though? I'm just asking you to get off the train. I ain't your love, though. You have to get off. Are you disrespecting me? This is the last stop. Are you disrespecting me, though? Do you understand what I said? Do you understand what I said, though? You get off the train off the police. please. Am I bothered? I'm warning you. Do I look bothered? It's up to you. Look at my face. Is it bothered? I'm not arguing with you. Look at my face. Is it bothered, though? The trains not going anywhere. Yeah, but is my face bothered?
0: This is the last stop, and you have to get off.
2: I ain't bothered.
0: I know it was like there was... Lauren Cooper, the chav, and then there was Vicky on Little Britain. Vicky and, Pollard. Yeah, who came first? The Vicky or the Lauren? That's about the same time?
1: I think Vicky's a little earlier than that. Yeah, could well be. But Lauren certainly had her catchphrase, you know, I'm not bothered. Mm-hmm. In just one episode of her 2004 series, she played a posh mum telling her rap children about the time she nearly ran out of olive oil during dinner a wife with a very nervous disposition, supposedly based on Catherine's mom, a skeptical detective inspector who is doubtful that a bullet through the heart will necessarily kill you, a married couple who recall the most mundane events as a laugh riot, a middle-aged competitive baton thriller a nurse with a dirty mind, Matthew Horn's foul-mouthed gran, and a British woman who wants to marry a murderer on death row in Texas. So she really got to just Boom, yep. boom, boom. Do all these different parts. And a lot of them had red hair and, you know, the makeup on Nan. Is very well done. I mean, you believe Catherine Tate was, you know, an 80-year-old woman.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I couldn't play any of Nan's sketches because she swore too much. We <laughs> would have to bleep the whole thing out. And some are wondering if Catherine's appearance on The Office next week will have her doing an American accent. Well, for a sample of what that might be like, here is another character from her TV show. So
2: I'm like... So bored, and he's like, hey there, and I'm like, hey you. And he's like, one hang, and I'm like, okay, and he's like, oh really? And I'm like, whatever. And he's like, Supremo. And I'm like, uh-oh. And he's like, baby, and I'm like, excuse me. And he's like, you want me? And I'm like, seriously? And he's like, totally. And I'm like, nah. And he's like, Yah. And I'm like, no way. And he's like, you bet. And I'm like, I don't think so. And he's like, you're right. And I'm like loser. And he's like, slut.
1: I suspect all this she'll be doing it with an English accent. Catherine Tate performed at the Royal Variety Performance in 2005, where, as Lauren, she famously called out Prince Philip for having fallen asleep. He was not amused. She also appeared in the BBC's adaptation of Bleak House and in the theater with some girls alongside David Schwimmer. In 2006, the third season of her sketch comedy series was shown. And to the surprise of nearly everyone, she suddenly appeared in the season finale of Doctor Who that year as a very surprised bride, just as the Doctor had bid goodbye to Rose in Doomsday. Yes, they managed to keep her appearance completely a secret there when she suddenly turns around in the TARDIS. Mm -hmm. And they'd act, in fact, were already filming the Christmas special the week before, but people who spotted her on locations in London thought it was uh, Billy Piper. They didn't ever recognize her. It was uh, Catherine Tate, who, of course, was very well-known in Britain, and to most American fans, they were just like, "Who's this redheaded woman?"
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which worked to her advantage. We learned in the subsequent Christmas special that year that she was Donna Noble, who teamed up with the Doctor to defeat an invasion from the Raknoss.
2: Can't do that. I wasn't. We're in flight. That is that is physically impossible. How do you tell me where I am? I demand you tell me right now where am I? Inside the TARDIS. What? The TARDIS. What? The TARDIS. No, what? It's called the TARDIS. That's not even a proper word. You're just saying things. How did you get in here? Well, obviously, when you kidnapped me. Who was it? Who's paying you? Was it Neris? Oh my God, she's finally got me back. This has got Neris written all over it. Who the hell is Neris? Your best friend. Hold on, wait a minute. What are you dressed like that for? I'm going to hemp him bowling. Why do you think, Dumbo? I was halfway up the aisle. I've waited all my life for this. I was just seconds away, and then you, I don't know, you drug me or something. I haven't done anything. I'm having the police on you. Me and my husband, as soon as he is my husband, we're going to sue the living backside off you.
1: No, wait a minute. Wait a minute, dog. And looking back at the six Christmas specials that we've had from Doctor Who so far, I would say that Runaway Bride continues to be my favorite. It's the one I can watch over and over again. I think a gauge of whether it works for you or not is your opinion of the chase on the motorway with the Doctor and the TARDIS pursuing Donna in a robot-driven taxi. I have friends who think it's hokey, but I think it's one of the best action set pieces the show's ever done, and I like to have a companion that stood up to the Doctor and never saw him as a potential love interest. You have enough of those. But for a lot of fans in Britain, Catherine Tate was just that annoying comedian, and they couldn't take her seriously as an actress despite her impressive stage credits. I think uh, at one point they were calling them on one of the forums Tater Haters. After appearing in three feature films in 2006, the following year Catherine Tate starred in The Bad Mother's Handbook. In this ITV movie, she played Karen, a woman who never got to college because she got pregnant, and tries to prevent her own daughter from suffering the same fate. Karen also has issues with her own mother, and Tate delivered the goods as a dramatic actress.
2: Is that Alan Bentham's son? Works in his uncle's garage on Saturdays. Helping Charlie with her maths. Maths? Can't add two into two, that one. Hope he's behaving himself, though, anyway. he, Road? Uh, you stay where you are. They catch seagulls. Off the rubbish, tip and pass them off as chicken. They're ordinary drumsticks, Mum. They come in packs of four. I got them in Tesco's, along with all the fruit nobody eats. God knows why I bother. I should just buy a bag of mould and be done with it. You have a right chicken with four legs. There were three wings as well, Mum. Good God. I've been invited to Paris. Who? Hey, why? Uh, it's a school trip. It's only for a week. And I figured if we could get Ivy to look after Nan for four days, you two could manage the other three. Here, you can't. I'm sorry. It's a long way, love, and there's all sorts can go wrong—disasters, bombs. You stop at home and be safe.
1: I should say, actually, that I've got a lot on at work right now. I'm very busy, and I don't know if I'll be much use to you.
2: And they got to the toilet in holes? They do. Irene said and told me they just up tiles on the floor, and they've a hole in the middle. Dirty buggers. Don't you start. I've got exams. It's not fair to give me extra responsibilities. I thought you wanted me to do well. I'll just go. I'll just go, whatever. Bloody hell, what's up with her? How do you mean? Something's up. We should have had a five-star strop, but she didn't even blink.
1: Well, she got herself a
2: fella now, did not she?
1: For the 2007 comic relief telephone, it practically was taken over by Catherine Tate, who appeared as Lauren in a sketch with David Tennant as her substitute teacher a woman who doesn't realize her boyfriend is Daniel Craig, and famously encounters Prime Minister Tony Blair in his office. And We played that clip in show 75. Meanwhile, back on Doctor Who, Russell T. Davis was planning the fourth season of the show. His original intention was to have a journalist be the new companion, but in the back of his mind he thought, wouldn't it be great to get Catherine back, but she's way too busy and famous to ever commit to it. But they asked her anyway, and to the production team's astonishment, she jumped at the chance, even if it meant moving to Cardiff for nine months to shoot the series. Fans were again apprehensive, but Donna Noble proved to be a very popular companion in a solid season of the show. More stage work was performed by Catherine Tate in 2008's Under the Blue Sky in London's West End. In 2009, she starred in Nan's Christmas Carol, with the bitter old Nan doing a take on a Christmas Carol which featured an appearance by David Tennant doing his best Russell Brand impersonation. Over Christmas last year, Catherine Tate wrote and directed a short for Sky One's Little Crackers called My First Nativity. Set in 1976 and based on her own life, young Ginger Catherine is a shy schoolgirl who wants to perform in the school's nativity play. And Catherine played her own mum.
2: Sorry I'm late, I had a delivery. I bought you some fresh stock. You have been busy, love? Oh, what have I told you about this? She'll cut her fingers off. Oh she's alright, she's just been helping me do a little job, ain't you, love? Can you smell pee? We're doing a nativity play. Are you baby? Oh lovely, have you got a part? No. I can definitely smell pee. No. Perhaps you trod some in. You can't trim pee in, can you? Why not? I'll try. Oh, perhaps you can. Who told you that? Your teacher? No. She's not got a part in the nativity play. Oh, ain't? My baby. Why not? They've said she's shy. Who said she's shy? Sister Mary Bernadette. Bastard woman. <laughs> nun. Can't say that about a nun. Who can't? They all are. And that right now. Aye. I... Tell her what the nuns are.
1: Bastards.
2: Nellie.
1: Tate made another appearance on Comic Relief earlier this year in a parody of Take That. And on Monday, May 16th, she and David Tennant will be doing a four-month run of Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing at London's Wyndham Theatre. So yeah, she's been doing a lot of things with David Tennant. They did a radio series together, filling in for Jonathan Ross when he got sick suddenly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They've done little comedy bits together, and here they are going to Never do... Never mind
0: the Buzzcocks, they run that show Oh, together. well, had yeah, when
1: they had the Doctor Who one. Yep. They just seem to really get on really yeah, well. She was and,
0: on a film, too, playing James McAvoy's mom. And start her for ten a couple years ago, even though she's not that much older than him, but <laughs> he was playing younger than he really was, so and somebody was just going off to college.
1: yeah, she's had a very good yeah. film career i didn't just didn't mention her film credits here because I'm focusing on the t v stuff, but yeah, she's you know stage stuff and movies and then comedy, and she's doing her own writing along with Darren, Darren little for her sketch comedy series. She gets stage fright. Uh, she has obsessive-compulsive thing. She had uh, postpartum depression after she had her kid. But
0: she's British. She has soldiers on. She does. Like you do. You
1: never know that all these little insecurities she has like that. And, you know, sometimes in these interviews shows, she comes off as a real bubblehead too, you're thinking, there's no way she could be that dumb. She clearly is a very smart, observational person. I think she just likes to kind of have this sort of, you know, persona to kind of keep people off guard. Yeah, it would be really cool to go see her doing Shakespeare. So that should be a good run. So anybody going to London this summer, check that out. Free plug there. Last month, she filmed her cameo appearance for the season finale of The Office that will be shown on May 19th on NBC. She'll be playing Nellie Bertram, one of the potential replacements for Steve Carell's character of Michael Scott. Now, I don't think it's any spoiler here, but if she's in a show in London until September, there's no way she's <laughs> going to be filming The Office because they're going to start filming like in July. So... I think it'll be a one-and-done thing for her.
0: Well, I know for a long time, Steve Coogan had a real big following among uh, American comedians. Like, Janine Garofalo was always talking about him. Conan O'Brien really loved him and had Mm. him on the show. And so is Catherine Tate now the the British comedian? All the American comedians are just loving to love, and do you think, or was it just...
1: Well, Coogan's stuff, I don't know how much of it was being shown over here. He... I think he snuck into enough movies as doing mm-hmm. bit parts that people were sort of aware of him. Or this they... is
0: even before then. I remember reading a New York Times article about Coogan when, because Alan Partridge was going to be on BBC America. But it, most of the article was about all his celebrity fans who just think he's... People that are held in esteem for being very funny, like Conan O'Brien, who just think there's no one better than Steve Coogan. He's the funniest man alive. Why isn't he a big star yet? And So I'm wondering if Catherine Tate, maybe she's been somebody that uh, the American elite comedians have sort of passed around and whispered about and said,
1: It could be. What's yeah. with
0: this redhead? She should be bigger than, let's put her in the office, you know.
1: I, that could be. I don't know the story behind it. It would be fun, interesting to find that out. And, yeah, one would hope, too, that they're also circulating tapes of Miranda Hart. Mm-hmm. Although I don't ever see her being acceptable to American executives. You know, we can't put someone like her on TV, yeah. but, boy, she is funny. So that's Catherine Tate. I I like, I mean, I'm obviously very partial to redheads. I'm married to one. I always thought she did a great job on Doctor Who, and that was just one little career step for her that she was always game to be in that. Well, next week, here's an obscure choice, Sarah Smart. Okay. She's going to be in the Doctor Who two-parter story that starts after next week called The Rebel Flesh, and it features her as one of the guest stars, and I've been a fan of hers ever since At Home with the Braithwaiths. Anyway, I'll tell you all about uh, Sarah Smart in... Show 84. Jindler, Shameless, Doctor Who tie-in. <laughs> we like to go to our website, www.britishtvpodcast.com and there you can find links to headlines, show notes, what's on TV this week, and an archive of our previous 82 shows. And if you've got any comments or suggestions, you can send it to feedback at com. Got a very interesting, long theory about uh, the future of Doctor Who there. It was Ronnie-centric. Okay. And I th- said, oh, I certainly hope it's not the Ronnie. I really don't want to see that character again. And he had some uh, very interesting theories. So we'll see if that turns out or not. And you can follow us on Twitter at BritTVPodcast. Continue to like this uh, shadow line. In fact, it's a very interesting article in The Guardian this week about BBC 2 kind of losing its identity because, you know, the BBC 1 is the flagship station and BBC 3 is getting things like Being Human. BBC 4 um, also is running a lot of really good cultural stuff. And where is that kind of leaving BBC 2? Because everyone's had their budget cuts quite a bit. And they're trying to make their mark with uh, dramas like The Shadow Line. They've commissioned another one. Obviously, they developed things like Miranda, which has been taken away from them and put on mm-hmm. BBC 1. Apparently, the audience for BBC Two is very middle England, middle-aged kind of thing, and it always has been, and putting anything too crazy on there. Oh, the other news article I saw today, which uh, this week was really funny, is uh, the head of BBC Serials said, yes, EastEnders is not entirely realistic. Is that so? <laughs> I think it's right up there with, rain is wet. <laughs> well, it's like, yeah, they brought a character back from the dead, for heaven's sake, so... He pointed out that uh, all soap operas have a certain level of unreality about it and one thing he was trying to defend was the fact that he thought yes East Enders is a little bit more white than possibly the East End is and they're trying to make it a little bit more multicultural we'll see you next week bye bye
0: bye bye